Praise the Lord. My name is Stephen Shepard and Director of Church Planning International, uh, which was founded in approximately the beginning of 1987. And um, we were missionaries in Mexico for four and a half years. We lived on the field, and this mission grew out of that that time when we were involved with evangelism and church planting. And um, uh, so uh, our, our mission is really all about planting churches, which means the congregations of believers in um, unreached people groups and unreached communities. Uh, there, there might be reached people groups, but many unreached communities. And uh, through, through partnering with native missionaries, partnering with native missionaries with whom we have Christ-centered relationships. We know these people that we work with, and we've known them for um, plenty of time and built that trust with them. Uh, and, and then uh, we, we focus upon uh, sound teaching. So we want to plant not just any kind of church, but churches that will proclaim the biblical gospel and teach sound biblical teaching to their people. And so that's, that's what uh, we're about. Um, we're going to be showing um, a video that's uh, about 12 and a half minutes. It's our introduction video. It's, it's, it was made now quite a few years ago. It was made in 2011, but it's designed to show why we exist and our, our methods, um, how we work, our core values. And so um, even though some of the things in there are outdated, it gives examples of that, and um, it also tells the story of Church Planning International. And then following that, I have a uh, PowerPoint, which I'll narrate a bit here for you. So if we could go ahead and start that video, that would be great. The mission of Church Planning International is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, train leaders, and aid in the planting and multiplying of churches around the world. From 1982 to 1986, my wife Christy and I served as missionaries in the desert city of Mexicali, Mexico. We worked with many people who were living just in tiny adobe or cardboard homes. But during our time in Mexicali, our church was planted. In 1985, someone came to me who I hardly even knew and offered to start an organization for the support of our work. Uh, he just told me to uh, write a statement of purpose and to give it a name. So we called it Church Planning International based upon our belief that it is the church which is rooted in, in every community that carries out the work of the Great Commission in that community. CPI co-labors with numerous native church planners and workers. Our priority is to reach unreached communities where there are no other established churches and also entire unreached people groups with the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we co-labor with Native leaders, our aim is to plant fully Native or 
indigenous churches which are not dependent upon outsiders for their continuance. The Huichol people live in the rugged Sierra Madre Mountains of West Central Mexico. Some of their communities can be reached only by driving all day on unpaved roads and then walking for many hours. When we first began working with the Huicholes, we found out that there were no New Testaments left in their native language. So in 1999, thanks to CPI supporters, 2,500 New Testaments were printed in the Huichol language. Then in 2008, an audio version of the Huichol New Testament was created for use with solar-charged listening devices called megavoices. Many Huichol either do not read at all or read with difficulty, but now the Huichol people are able to listen to God's Word in their native tongue. Domingo is a native Huichol church planner. His family lives in a very remote mountain village. Now a church exists in his village where none existed before. People sometimes have even walked for many hours from other communities up and down the mountain pass to attend services. Church Planning International also works with very isolated tribes hidden in the dense Amazon rainforest of Peru. The people generally have no stores. They, they live off the land from crops and hunting and fishing. There are thousands of villages all over the Amazon rainforest that need to be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Cesar Soto is working among the Yaminawa tribe. When he first started, there were no churches at all among the Yami tribe, but now churches are, are beginning to spring up. Strong leadership is key to church planning. CPI is committed to training leaders through sponsoring Bible school students, conducting pastors' conferences, personal discipleship, and the distribution of quality Christian books and literature. In the Amazon rainforest, CPI has been involved since the year 2000 in training pastors. In 1969, Wycliffe missionaries first made contact with the Matses tribe. At that time, the Matses were known as a fierce and violent tribe. They kidnapped and killed and worshiped the spirits of nature. In 1994, after they received the New Testament in their own language, they began to memorize large portions of scripture and many were miraculously transformed through the power of God's word. Churches began to spring up. Then, in 1999, CPI was invited to help strengthen the churches. Pastors training conferences were held every six months with up to 70 Matses who came from over 15 villages, some traveling up to two days in dugout canoes. By 2010, the Matses were conducting their own training conferences and planning churches in the unreached Matses villages across the border in Brazil. Hundreds of people 
from all over the United States have gone with us to the mission field. This has proven to be a life-changing experience for many people as team members see for themselves the great need in the world. A burden for a lost world grows within their hearts. The proclamation of the gospel and planting churches cannot be separated from showing compassion to those in need. This is just the fruit of our faith. So that's why we have always been careful to minister not just to spiritual needs, but to physical ones too. Helping to restore homes, providing clean water and food, providing medical care, helping the poor to start small businesses, and supporting orphanages. But all the social and humanitarian needs can't compare with the spiritual need of all mankind. Without Christ, each person is, is lost and under the righteous judgment of God. But the Bible tells us that the gospel is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. This message of the gospel is God's method for saving a people for himself out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. This message has been entrusted to the church to proclaim in all the world. Many millions still need to hear. Thousands of people groups remain unreached. But as the gospel goes forth, local churches will be established and strengthened, and then these local churches will continue to reach their own communities and nations. A PowerPoint, and I was here in September, and these pictures that we're going to see are almost entirely from the time I last was at Grace Community Fellowship and uh, until, until now, what happened since then. And so um, I think maybe we could get the light again. I think it would be fine because I don't really need to read uh, anything. Okay. So after I left, um, it was it was November uh, that uh, or early December that I went to Mexico, and uh, we we've worked with quite a number of people there and churches that are kind of on their own. And the, the one work that isn't is um, in these mountains uh, that are the Huichol people and uh, about four years ago the the pastor died and um, it left a tremendous void but amazingly the church is pressing on and is even growing a little bit and they get they do the best they can different people sharing and they have services uh, and so um, the widow who doesn't speak the language because she was Mexican, not Wicho. The, the pastor was Wicho, spoke both languages. She has stayed on with the work. And so we've been trying to help them find a, a pastor. And we've gone through two people and it hasn't worked out. Uh, tried to find some Wicho man to move from another community. And that didn't work out. So um, I really like to go there to encourage the work and we try to send other people to encourage the work 
And there's persecution there because um, they've been threatened with expulsion from their community and other, other things that they would be deprived of that, um, that other government subsidies and things that they are, can be excluded from because of uh, being Christians in that community. It's a very uh, remote community. This is, um, well, it's supposed to have a little volume. So that's uh, how the church was uh, in one of the recent visits and a little bit of their language. It's completely unrelated to Spanish. And so this is uh, my last visit, um, uh, the church members there praying. And um, so when I would go, um, about a four-day trip, and it's hours mostly on unpaved roads through the mountains, and uh, you'll, you'll find people who live, you know, they go to where the buses end, and then there are people who you could only reach by walking for hours and hours or even days to get to where they live. And you might find 50 people uh, living out in the middle of nowhere, not around anyone. And, and so there's like 400 communities amongst the Huicholis. So in the evenings, they would gather, um, and we, we, uh, we held meetings every day, every evening, to worship and to pray and to share the word while we were there. Um, this is one of the evening meetings, kind of almost spontaneous. They began to come out. And in the mornings, we have training workshops for their core group. And so this is uh, the training workshops. We, we teach through the uh, foundational truths of the scripture. Uh, we teach, we use a lot of stories, uh, biblical stories. Uh, we teach the bad news and the good news through Genesis 1 through 3. And then we go forth in the uh, biblical narrative and uh, teach through the scriptures. And um, whoops. So this is some of the people who came with us or excuse me, who, who were in the um, uh, training workshops during the days we were there. And uh, what, what's happening um, is that God has been moving amongst the young people. It's surprising. God always does things that you don't expect. So we were trying to find a mature man to be the pastor, and that could still happen, but God is moving amongst the young people. They're on fire for the Lord, and... This young man, Alien, he grew up in the church. He helped the pastor. He helped like um, lead the testimonies or the offering. or uh, He just helped in any way he could. So he graduated from high school, and he, he, he's chosen. He wants to serve the Lord, and so we sent him to the south to this quality ministry school, school of ministry, where he's learning about um, planting churches and, and uh, preaching the gospel and and that, and so uh, his name is Alien Chavez, and you can pray for him, and he'll be coming back in um, in December to the village. So I hope to go back in January, Lord willing. When um, and then there's another young lady that also was sent to this school. So this is kind of an example of how we we like to work by uh, working through uh, native church planners and and workers and building relationships with them and training and empowering them that they might do the work. Because if we go and do the work and then we leave, 
uh, it can all just become undone. It will become undone. It depends on us, but it needs to be rooted in the in the communities where the people live, so that it can uh, have continuity uh, long after we we are not there. So this is um, Elian and Paloma down in Oaxaca, down in the really far in the south, where they're um, you know they they're in their native garb there and. Uh, Elian was given the charge of teaching his language to the people because they want them to learn a little linguistics as well. And they go out in, in church planning and practice in the field as well. So uh, it's just been a great uh, growing experience for them. And when he comes back, uh, we are going to c counsel them to give him more and more preaching opportunities, not be called the pastor, not yet, but to give him more opportunities to preach the gospel. He's only 18 years old. But Spurgeon was pastoring the church when he was about 17. So you never know. This is kind of how we travel through the mountains. Okay. Yeah. Like that. Oh, it bends. Okay. Great. I might, this is better now. Okay, so um, after, after I came back from Mexico, Christy and I went to Peru. This was late January, and of course we had no idea what was going to happen to our world, but we were in Peru, and um, we, uh, we went to the jungle city. This is a city called Pucallpa, and uh, the Lord has graciously allowed us to have this center, which... Um, which we purchased, and then uh, helped establish a mission, a Peruvian mission, called Mission Church Planning International. We kept the same name originally. The purpose was simply that this new mission would be the owner of this property, because we didn't want to be the owners. Um, and, but now it's emerging into a Peruvian mission, and it's got a Peruvian board, and it's got to work in Lima, and it's got to work in the jungles. So the, there's three places um, and we have um, a missionary on center now. Um, and this is the training center there. And so uh, we, we stay there, and from there we go to villages and we train and, and that. And this is the team from Mission Church Planning, the board members, if you will. We have, uh, we have my wife is a board member, and Tom, uh, who's on our uh, international board, and myself, and then we have... Uh, four nationals, including the Shipibo, there's like a hundred languages. There's many, many indigenous uh, tribal people. So he's from the Shipibo group, which is one of the major tribes that we work with. And Atoniel on the far right, he's, he's just such a gifted teacher and theologian and has, has, is teaching um, the, the truths the, about uh, the gospel, the, the solas, and and about the finished work of Christ and about the grace of God. And so, um, but from there, we took a trip to one of the church plants, again, p partnering with native church planners. And this particular church planner uh, is also one of our Bible Institute's uh, students. We have um, a Bible Institute called Word of Grace, which which was started and, and uh, where we train uh, workers and church planners and pastors there at the uh, um, CPI Center in Pucallpa. And so uh, we went back. Now, this work was started, this, this is, 
I believe that really planting churches is God's work. All we can do is preach the gospel and pray and love people. And God's, the Spirit's going to work, or sometimes he won't work. And, and, but he'll work somewhere, and we keep doing it, and he will work, and he, he does the work. And he, um, so um, this is an example of that, because I've seen many times where you <clears throat> go to all this effort, and, and you go the next time, and there's five people or something like I was kind of half expecting that when I went, uh, we went back in 2017. But instead, there was this thriving work. But when they started the work, um, there was no church there at all. And imagine a lot of the people in the village just drank. I think there's like 300 people in the village. They were drinkers. And a lot of the people didn't want a church. They didn't want any any uh, anyone coming in and putting the damper on their lifestyle, and the chief of the village um, didn't, if I remember right, he was opposed. So a lot of the leading men were opposed. So now the chief is a, a believer, and a lot of drinkers have become believers. And so the whole village is changing, and and the church is now a community center where people gather, and and that this is how we went. Uh, more volume, if we could. All right, so this is what's called a fast boat. And this, these fast boats didn't exist before. Most people go on the slower, on the regular boat, with boat which could take, I don't know, 15 hours or something. So this takes five hours. And um, anyway, we chartered this boat, and there it is, and that's where we docked. And um, uh, this is the village. And uh, this is uh, Adolfo, our student with the Shipibo Bible. Uh, and uh, like I say, he went, we, we helped to send him. Sometimes some little thing can be a hindrance. So he needed uh, a small amount of finances really to travel uh, four years ago and to proclaim the gospel. They had outreaches and people came and all these people came to the Lord and um, he stayed then in the village for about two years, he and his wife, and, and he needed just a, a little support, like $120 a month is all, so he could maintain his life in Pucallpa with his older children and be there and live there because he had no place, way of making a living. So just providing that, and he stayed there, and the church was established, and we went and, and held marriage ceremonies, uh, and we held baptisms, and now there's 31 people baptized uh, there's been two baptisms, and, and um, this is a little kind of a taste of uh, people of all ages, and they have different groups and ministries, and now they want to get their marriages right before the Lord um, and, and be baptized, and the um, pastor's uh, Adolfo's brother is now pastoring the church, and Adolfo continues to visit. So this is church planting in the Amazon. There's one example, and there's been other examples, of course. And these are some of the people that we, we Christy and I, stayed, and we taught for two days uh, for uh, people. Most of the day we taught, and um, they came, and they were just so hungry. They, I can't express to you how hungry they were to hear. It's such an experience to share with people who, who listen so intently and just want to hear more and more and listen like their lives depend on it. And, they, and so they came out and listened and we taught and we, they had a baptism on the f Sunday before we went back. 
A little bit more volume, please. Using the Shipibo language to baptize. Yeah, okay. So we went back and we held three weeks of classes. And we have about 15 students, and mostly Shipibos, but also other tribal groups. Um, two or three from other tribal groups usually attend. And many now, a number of them have finished the, the entire uh, coursework of 12 courses. And there's some that uh, are close. And so we want to begin to repeat some classes so they can kind of catch up. So um, they're there, they study in the mornings uh, for about four hours every day five days a week and so we held the classes for three weeks and um, these are teachers in our uh, Word of Grace Bible Institute there in Pukalpa and the Shipibos who are studying with us there and learning and uh, this is a young Shipibo um, leader Danny Danny, and he's presenting his oral exam um, before uh, his fellow students and some of the students there at the Bible Institute. So after that, um, amazingly, we, uh, God is raising up another center for CPI in Lima, in the capital, which has oh, maybe 10, 11 million people. So God has done some amazing things in the last three years where we've received some large grants or donations unexpectedly um, in, and for specific projects. So they're earmarked for these projects. Never expected this to happen. So uh, that building, uh, they had the foundation in, the uh, pastor from that community. And uh, so we were able to help them finish the building. And, and the lower floor is for the church and the training center and the whole building uh, has become another CPI center. And the top two floors are uh, pastoral housing and there's a widow lady because our close coworker passed away and so she's been able to stay there and she's kind of like our representative in, in like helps us with groups and mission teams and arranges transportation and, and uh, lodging and food while we're passing through Lima. And so she lives on the top, and the top two floors then are, it's like a hospitality center for CPI for our groups that come through, and when we're in, in Lima, we're able to stay there. And so um, this, is, this is that. Um, and this is our Lima team. Um, the Pastor Winder and Fanny, they're on the left. When they came, there was no, no running water there. There was no electricity, and they, they made um, a makeshift dwelling, and, and that's where that building is now. And they saw all these people come to the Lord in this very needy place that heard the gospel. They started with a children's ministry, and they had so many children that would come, and then the parents would come. They told the children to bring their parents, and now that they have the church, uh, a full-on church there, um, and, and it was through the children's ministry that the church um, came about. And, and the, the widow, Elizabeth, is there sitting there next to Fanny, and Marcial was in town, Shapibo, and Otoniel, my fellow teacher, and uh, uh, he directs the, now, now Word of Grace is being formed, uh, the Bible Institute in Lima. Um, and so we had a group to finish, do some of the finished carpentry, come, 
And this is the dedication of the Lima CPI Center in Lima and uh, the people who came to the dedication. And so then now I'm leaving, <laughs> I'm, tr I'm trying to leave Lima uh, and, and that. And so um, when I left Lima, when I had a ticket for, oh, I don't know, March later, two weeks later, I came back on the 17th, so it would have been at the very end of March, almost April, when I would have come home. And my family, mainly my wife and my daughter, kept trying to urge me to rebook my ticket. And there was no sign of any quarantine in, in, or, or lockdown in Peru. And they kept on and on and on. And I kept saying, no, 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 I'll be able to come home. You're, you're, you're um, over, overstating, overreacting here. They said, no, but you need to, you might be stuck there. I said, no, that's never going to happen. So they finally prevailed on, on me, and I rebooked my ticket for March 17th, uh, which was a Monday, Monday night. And there was no sign of any lockdown or anything like that. Well, the day before, they declared the lockdown. And, and so, in fact, they wondered if I was even going to be able to get out on the 17th. But it turned out that the 17th, that Monday was the day that they had a strict quarantine imposed and they closed the airport. And our flight took off at 11 and they closed the airport at midnight. And the Delta people, when we were on board, said, please sit down, sit down. We have to leave. We, have, we don't have much time. We have to get out. <laughs> so otherwise I might still be there. Uh, but anyway, in the airport, it was pretty chaotic. Um, people cutting in line, desperate to get out of Lima and fighting arguments and fights and breaking out by, because people were cutting in line and overwhelming the counters. So that's how it was <laughs> in Lima there, uh, getting out. And I might say that since I came back, um, like I said, Otoniel has started the Word of Grace, and he started by Zoom. And I didn't know he was going to do this. And so um, I've been teaching through Zoom regularly. Also on Sundays, not every Sunday, we take turns. But so we've had up to 25 people tune in in different parts of Lima and teaching. And so um, that's something that I didn't expect. So when we got back, we began hearing reports, terrible reports, of, um, from both Peru and Uganda about the lockdowns mainly. People were locked down, they couldn't work, they had no food, and um, we, we heard uh, from Elizabeth, uh, hospitals have collapsed, there are people outside, they're dying outside of the doors of the hospital, um, there's no supplies, and then people who didn't have food in the jungles, uh, they, they, the children were crying, and 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 Shipibos and other Indians who were in the cities, who happened to be in the cities, trying to work. There was no work for them, and eventually, they were they were desperate enough. They began to, to walk 500 miles over the mountains to try to get back to their villages, where maybe they had a garden or something uh, to sustain them. And so they were walking back through the through the um, through the mountains, and then in Uganda. Uh, this family, for example, is just one story, but I received v numerous stories where people had no food at all. Otherwise, and, and it was hard enough before, but this man there uh, holding the bedding, 
Uh, that's Pastor Bernard on the far right. And so we had, we have now, we've been uh, sending aid and support to Uganda and Peru every month since March. And we send once a month, and there's about four in each country that distribute food to the very most needy, whether they're believers or not. And we've also sent to other countries as well, but mainly Peru and Uganda. And so this, this Pastor Bernard, he, these people are, I'm sure, right in his community. This is western Uganda near the border of Congo. And he uh, came across them. They had seven kids, and she was pregnant with triplets. And later on, we found that two of the babies died and one survived. And they were sleeping on, um, on uh, banana leaves all together in one room. And uh, so uh, he, got, he was able to get them bedding, but uh, even more importantly, the food that he got them. I told him, please get them, because they buy staple foods that last a long time. Well, um, please get the woman some protein, <laughs> chicken, eggs. And so he did, but then the children just began, they had never had eggs before. And so they just rejoiced at getting the eggs. And the woman, she did not know how to, what to do with the chicken. So I think he had to show her and, and all that. So the need has been, been so great. And, and then we've heard that some people have come to the Lord and they want to be part of the church. And uh, so this is going on in his community and in about four or five communities in Uganda all at the same time. Um, this is uh, Pastor Isaac and uh, this uh, lady, Jemima, I think her name is, um, and she had no food at all and was saying, oh, now I'm going to live. And, and so she, he, these are people, these are the people they know. These are people we know and trust, and then they, they find the ones in their communities that they know are the most needy, and they continue. And they, we've told them, go to the same ones if they're really needy so they can be helped over the long term. And um, these are some of the other uh, families in Uganda. You can see um, that they, you know, their clothing is um, tattered, and they just—they were very poor before. And then with the lockdown, they can't go out and work. The one man with the mattresses, the way he worked was to go help people in their garden, and and then they—they they, he would get some food, and so no one was willing to hire him at all. So that's so they come across where they have no food and they're just basically waiting to die. And so um, they're able to help them through the, um, the lockdowns have caused such suffering in the world. This food distribution in Lima as well, uh, different ones uh, are distributing. And in the jungles with uh, Pucalpa uh, to the Shipibos, Marcial on the right, and uh, distributing food there. Um, and now in Myanmar, uh, CPI has extended into Myanmar, Southeast Asia. Um, didn't expect it, but been relating to this man since 2013. And it's kind of a long story how we got involved, but again, it's through relationships, through, through Christ-centered relationships, uh, uh, quality church leaders that have the right message and the right character, which is proven over time. And so we've begun to work in Myanmar uh, just beginning, and um, and so... I'd love to go to Myanmar. I have no idea if God will allow that, but we'll see about it. And so um, he's distributing food now. Now here's another project that came to fruition that was in the works for some months. And 
This is the Calvary Medical Clinic. This is Pastor Michael Dakitali on the right, and he's our main representative in Uganda. He's in the capital. And so we originally wanted to help him with a business so he could support his family a little bit. And so he finally chose a medical clinic, but it was established that we were able to, again, provide the funds for the salaries for the, they, the, there's a doctor, a lab worker, and a nurse midwife, and, and into like six months in advance and pay the rent uh, for some months in advance and, and buy medicines and buy instruments and get the furniture and, and remodel the room for, that they're renting or the building that they're renting for the uh, clinic. So they did that and then the lockdown happened. And so it was really kind of hard. Um, but, um, the plan now is to try to get outside support to maintain the clinic because they really, a lot of people can't pay and they're treating them anyway. So they do take in some funds, but it's not enough to keep it afloat. So uh, the, the plan is to, uh, as an outreach, to, uh, as a, a work of compassion, to keep it going. And, and so uh, they're doing that. It's called the Calvary Medical Clinic. And uh, that's kind of the staff there. They have a doctor and, like I said, a, a nurse midwife. Uh, they saw a great need to help with delivering babies. And so uh, they made sure that the nurse was also a midwife. And we also have new missionaries um, that live on our center that have, official, have become official CPI missionaries, Casey and Julie Kidd. Uh, and they work with um, the Matses. Uh, which we started working with them in 1999 and also with other tribal groups that we work with. Uh, this is the Matses. I'll kind of go through these kind of quickly, but uh, in conjunction with their work, we've worked with them since 99 and um, training Matses pastors and helping them to go to the unreached villages by providing gasoline for their dugout, motorized dugout canoes. This is... Um, well, you fly over to get there very remote because the rivers they live on are oftentimes extremely narrow. And so there's about 3,000 Matses. This is just a little, the way we travel out to where they are. In this case, to go by river would take maybe weeks, which we don't have. And um, this is a grassy strip in Matses land where he's taking off, and um, this is the return flight right there. We'll come about two hours. Uh, so it's probably going 100 and some miles an hour, two hours, as the crow flies. But by the rivers, it's uh, another story. And this is the river story, river travel and training conferences. And now, the Yora is another tribal group that we work with in um, 2019 in summer. We held, we've been holding conferences, week-long conferences for, we've held seven of them and helped to fly them back out of their village because for some reason Peru decided to make their part of the jungle a protected part of the jungle where outsiders were not supposed to go. So we brought them to us and, and taught them the gospel and they listened like their life depended upon. No church, no New Testament in their language and um, just kept teaching and teaching and teaching. And so then finally, after six years, 
Um, this is the, uh, at our center. We held it at our center. We had to lodge a lot of them and feed them, and it was quite a um, extensive thing. But now nine were baptized at the last conference, and, and also um, in their village, um, now they're beginning to receive missionaries in their village, brief missionaries, if they're invited. And so people that uh, have worked with us before that we believe in their message and so forth, they were able to go and 16 more were baptized. So now there's, there's um, uh, 25 that have been baptized and they're holding their services out in the village. And it's just so beautiful to see uh, at first, they would hold services and they would stop and they didn't know what to do. And so now it's taking hold in a, in, a, in a people group that didn't have any church at all. And many of them had never heard the simple stories of the birth of Christ or the resurrection of Christ, never heard about the gospel before. And so these are um, our, those are your who attend our conference and now they're doing the baptizing, which is, which is great. So in Uganda, um, our other field there uh, will be going. As a matter of fact, Lord willing, we were going to go this year, but <laughs> it didn't work out. So next year, 21, 2021, uh, we, we hope to go, and there's uh, a team forming that wants to go. So we'll see how the world is and if the Lord allows us to go and fly there. Um, but um, we do leadership training, and we work with um, three church planters, and they have other churches that they plant, and which is how the church planting happens, through the indigenous church, and then a daughter church uh, springs forth, and that daughter church plants another church, and so that's kind of what happens. This is Uganda training of leaders there in Uganda. Okay, and these are the people we work with with their wives, uh, the three men, and they've you know, they have proven character and we can trust them and men of integrity who have a good biblical message. And so um, another example of church planning, Richard, he was sent forth from Michael's church. He's the pastor who of the Calvary Church and started the clinic. And so this other area is towards the east in Uganda. And um, Richard, and so he went back to where his wife was from, where there was no churches at all. What thrills my heart is to see churches where before nothing was there. Nobody was worshiping God. Nobody was um, hearing the word. And, and so then now to have a beachhead of the kingdom of God in these places. And so now look at the, um, the place. When we came, all the people who were there in that building who gathered, and we've been there twice in have assisted in different ways, and Michael has helped there. Um, and then, uh, then they um, started an, in another village um, and planted a church in the village of Nakate, and there's where they meet. And so it's kind of primitive, but there's where they meet, and uh, another village is hearing the gospel. We were able to give, uh, provide a motorcycle for him so that they could get from one village to another, and also motorcycles helped them to make a little bit of a, bit, a little little money for their families. And so, uh, that otherwise they just have subsistence crops. And so this is kind of the way we aid native church planters, and they are the ones who do the work, and the work is indigenous. It's it has continuity in the communities. 
This is in Western Uganda in near the border of Congo, the other place we work and the training going on there. This is where we're actually going to go back, Lord willing, 2021, and stay there. And they planted uh, this church in Katumba, and we were able to help them buy that property for actually very little. It was uh, something like $1,500 is all it was, uh, whereas in the capital it would be many, many, many times more. So they have that, and they erected that, that dwelling there, and they're meeting there, and it's small, but it's a village that didn't have a church before. And, and the main thing is the people, the congregation. That's what's important, the believers. Uh, we, we do a lot of humanitarian work. Our mission is church planning and, and training, but, but you can't ignore the physical needs, and you can't separate the preaching of the gospel from the meeting of, of needs. And so in Western Uganda, people would eat one time a day. They lived in homes with sticks and mud. And so um, the Lord enabled us to begin this school lunch program, and it's, it's funded now. And so um, this is the school. They have a school um, called God's Mercy, and they have 235 kids in this school. And this is the school made of mud and sticks. And... Um, this is the classroom. They have that blackboard, and this is the classroom where the kids go and learn. And these are uh, some of the children at God's Mercy a Christian School. And a lot of the kids go to private schools because uh, they say the government schools don't teach them anything. And even though people are poor, they, they, try, they will sacrifice to whatever it takes to send their kids to a Christian school where they can learn something because about 75%, I think, of uh, Ugandan children go to the private or Christian schools. How are you? We are fine. Can you wave to the people? Yes. Okay. God bless you. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> and these, it, just to show you the condition, this is a rural area. It's in the foothills of the mountains. It's on the border of Congo. So um, they live subsistence farmers. And um, so sometimes if their crops are not good, they have no other way of really um, making a living. And so their dwellings are very poor, their clothes are poor. Um, and so, but this pastor, Isaac, he's planting churches and he's reaching into Congo and he's, there's several churches and they, they're gonna, uh, we're helping them plant a church in the town. This is a village near the town. And so uh, this kind of, how we work to come alongside of Christ-centered servants of the Lord and to uh, partner with them. Uh, so this is a home in, in um, Western Uganda there. Um, and so here's the feeding program. And they were coming with no breakfast and not being able to concentrate and they were eating one meal a day. And so uh, this is now um, also once again, there was a large donation given, and um, we're rebuilding the the school. And they're they just the people are just so astonished because they say this is a miracle, and the people God has remembered this despised place. They say, and so it's it's people are. Uh, he, uh, he tells me people are. You know, coming to the Lord and their church is growing and whatnot. So anyway, so this church, this school is being built and it, the 10 classrooms, this is part of it. That building is finished 
And then uh, the other, the, the final building is halfway finished, and we think it's going to be finished in the next year. Um, well, we're going to close with this. I showed this last time, but we'll be going tonight. Uh, we'll be going to Uganda. If you want to join us on the mission team, we'd be glad to have you. I just have a couple other comments in clothing here, in closing. Um, again, this is going to be a, hopefully a mission team this year in the fall. And um, currently, the current things we're working on right now is the pandemic relief, one. Secondly, in October, we plan to open up Word of Grace again, but uh, they'll do all the teaching. Yeah, there's no flights to Peru. So um, that's going to take uh, providing the lunches and uh, the one teacher's flight from Lima to Pucallpa. There'll be three Peruvian or one American who lives there, our missionary, and two Peruvians who teach. And so that's, that's an, another thing that, that we're just right now involved in. 
so in addition, I just wanted to say um, on our website, we have ministry opportunities with Church Planning International. Of course, there's short-term missions, but we are very receptive to the idea of having two positions open, one for director of operations, one for director of short-term missions. The director of operations would need to raise their own support, so that's the hard thing about this. Short-term missions, there could be some support provided, in, but most would be raised. But I just wanted, who knows, I wanted just to throw that out there um, with you. Uh, I'm not, Christy and I are not getting any younger, uh, and, but I don't plan to retire, mind you. I don't plan to retire so until the Lord retires me. So I would still be involved with Church Plan International as president, and the, the day-to-day operations would be directed by somebody to run the home office. So I, I'll just read this. Coordinate the South Carolina-based operations, assist with mailings, correspondence, partnership development, coordination for travel, disbursement of support to CPI Native missionaries, some international travel, uh, maybe full or part-time must raise own support. Qualifications, mature believer, deeply committed to Christ, a love and balanced grasp of God's word, a desire to make a difference for the Great Commission, entrepreneurial and pioneer mindset, administrative skills, some internet and media experience, knowledge of Spanish helpful but not required. So I'm just throwing that out now. Who knows? And um, uh, would love to see a, a director. And I want to just, just go on doing simple, being a visionary and just doing simple missionary work. I love being out with the people doing the work and um, going out to communities together and training and that. That's what I want to keep doing. So pray for that. Pray for us. So much appreciate your you're partnering with us in this work. Uh, it's, it's all of our work and your prayers and your love. So much appreciated. Thank you so much. <clears throat>